Welcome, welcome. You're listening to an episode of Soulful Expressions, Love, Light, Wisdom. And this segment is in honor of Black Music Month. We're paying homage to all the African Americans, uh, musicians, and musical traditions that have created music from uh, the beginning when we first got off the ship in North Carolina up until now, and we're honoring um, national and local artists. The local ones are, are just as important as the national ones because the local ones make music accessible to the community. And that's very important since a lot of the music is not in the schools and music, um, uh, a lot of um, companies are trying to make sure African-Americans aren't included in music anymore. So it's very important that we pay homage to the artists songwriters, musicians, arrangers, and that's what we're here doing today. So I want to welcome local vocalists, choir director, vocal coach, mentor, motivational speaker, Stephanie Scoggins in the house. Glad to be in the house. (laughs) Okay, and also joining us is uh, Mike Mann, band leader for Cowboy Soul, a popular local uh, band that's played all around Los Angeles, blues festivals, Barbara Morrison Studios, you name it, he's there. Mike hails from the Midwest. Yeah. (laughs) But you never know it. You think he's L.A. guy. (laughs) But I want to welcome them and thank them just for joining us to join this conversation about music. So, Stephanie, share with us a little bit about your history. How did you um, get into music? What was uh, the well, catalyst? I started singing in church at the age of three. Okay. I grew up at Pilgrim Baptist Church here in Los Angeles. It was a very um, historic church off of um, 41st in Wadsworth. At age of three, yeah. Um, my biggest inspiration was my father, Willie Likes, who mm. was had one of the most phenomenal tenor voices. And he was a mix between Sam Cooke and um, Nat King Cole. But he sang with this um, passion and uh, voice that was just angelic. And when he sang, he moved everyone with his gospel sounds and tones. And so he inspired me to sing. I learned my first solo from my father and began singing in church at the age of three and just went through youth choir up to the adult choir and then uh, in school um, at USC, Inglewood High School, where I'm a native uh, Californian. And um, all the way through school, I sang in magicals, uh, gospel choirs, and at USC, I was in the Trojan Marketing Band. I played clarinet and won several awards, the John Philip Sousa Award for musicianship and other awards for vocalization. And so it's just been part of me. I know that it's a gift that's innate, um, and I'm just really blessed by it. It's a, it's a gift that came straight from heaven. Okay, okay. So, what did you sing at three? Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Um, uh, oh my gosh, Father Abraham <laughs> and many sons, um, and even you know older older songs. Whatever the choirs were singing, I was able to sing. I was always very intelligent and just started from there. I loved music, loved singing. And even got involved in plays and musicals. And I remember in high school, there was uh, there were performers and uh, hosts that came from Broadway, um, producers that came from Broadway in auditions for a play out in the beach cities. It was Little Abner, and it was going to be the first uh, biracial leads. There was going to be an African-American male as Abner, as Abner and Daisy Mae was going to be a Caucasian girl. And um, I just loved music. So I learned everyone's songs and everyone's lines. And I ended up taking that part and became Daisy May. And it was one of the top uh, shows that they had at that time. 
And our producer was Kip Kat, who was the choreographer for uh, the longest running musical at that time on Broadway, which was Cats. So I've just loved singing music and it emanated in church, just like a lot of the uh, entertainers that you see out there in the music industry, their origin was in church and gospel. It's obviously not your first lifetime doing this. <laughs> you came here already knowing. Yeah, I feel that way. Well, I used to sing in the choir, too. And I sang this little light of mine. But this woman here, this, she's a protege. She is uh, something to behold. Okay. Thank you, Aunt May. You're so sweet. <laughs> Thank you, too. You're sweet, too. Thank you. <laughs> and so, um, other than your father, who are some musical influences on you? Oh, my gosh. Um, Aretha Franklin, um, Mahalia Jackson. Um, I love the, the singers that sing from the soul. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a performance. It's something that you feel that's innate. Mm -hmm. And contemporary artists um, like Donnie McClurkin, um, oh, it's just so many mm -hmm. that I love, yeah. you oh. know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what kinds of changes have you seen and experienced in your lifetime in the music industry for better or for worse? Well, um, I would say for better, it's broader, mm -hmm. you know, um, and from when, in that respect, I mean, like from children, um, in my interaction with children, giving them the opportunity to sing songs. And um, I'm just really glad that at the school, at parent school, I was there for more than 20 years, giving my service and volunteering where my children, my sons went to school. And the principal gave me the freedom to allow the children to sing songs. And what I noticed was that when they were singing songs, gospel songs. They had more energy. They felt alive. And they mm -hmm. would say, oh, I feel goosebumps. My mm -hmm. skin is, is crawling, as opposed to just singing other songs. Mm -hmm. And I was just very happy that they had, I had the opportunity to teach them music so that they could feel it from the soul. And instead of just always singing the tracks, I would bring in live musicians that are musicians that are professional musicians in the music industry that pay, play for some of the top recording artists in the country into that environment for the children to be able to feel the music and to have the freedom to repeat a stanza or repeat a chorus and to go forward. In, the, in reference to negativity, it just seems like sometimes, um, I love all music, mm -hmm. but when music, the message of music is negative, mm. the message of music that's negative, that creates hatred mm -hmm. and violence mm -hmm. and, and, and division, mm -hmm. that's where I see it going in the wrong direction. It's mm. a frequency. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the state of the world mm -hmm. today, we need more music that brings people together. Now, music is an international language. It doesn't matter whether you speak a language or if you're, if you're hanging, hearing a song that's being sung in a different language, French or um, in African, you feel the soul, you feel the beat of it. And you can see people that can't speak your language, but when they hear music, the feet are padding, the head is bobbing, the body is musing. So it's something that fills, fills your spirit and freeze your soul. Mm. And that's that's what I love about music. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And some, some, who are some of the artists that you've worked with in your career? Um, well, as a child, I was able to sing with one of the greats, um, uh, James Cleveland. Okay. I sang with him. Um, I also had Ray Charles. Oh, my gosh, so many in in the music industry mm -hmm. with the children at the choir. We were able to sing and record with Charles Wright. Right. Uh, and, oh, my gosh, so many wonderful musicians. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Ricky Grundy. Okay. Also, um, Kenny Lattimore. Okay. Um, and and the like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. What are your top favorite songs that you've sung? I love a lot of hymns and. Precious Lord is one of my favorites. Um, Only What You Do for Christ Will Last. Um, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Oh, yes, during, <laughs> during COVID, um, when everything was shut down and I couldn't go and physically sing at a 
service or, or a funeral or a wedding. I have a recording of that, and I would just send it all over. It went all over the United States and even into other countries for people to play for their loved ones. You know, we lost a lot of people during that time. And um, and only what you do for Christ will last. I think I said that when it touched somebody's life. And, um, and then from, I love singing inspirational music too, like Hero or um, Wind Beneath My Wings and uh, You Are So Beautiful. So it's just, you know, some of the ones that, that touch the soul. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. G- give me a verse or two of, a, of one of your favorites. Okay. Um, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, and I I can't handle that. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's you deeply felt. Two yeah. notes and tears started coming in. I, oh, 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 oh. You thank feel you it. so you, much you for d- that blessing, Stephanie. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you, you know, so much. Um, I, 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 I suffer with an illness, mm-hmm. um, and there's no cure for it. I'm a 33-year lupus survivor and warrior. And mm. I've flatlined, I've been in a coma, I've gone through nine rounds of chemo, I've had 11 surgeries in the last five years. And when I first was diagnosed, I was given five months to live. And by God's grace, I'm still here. Um, I was a corporate executive for Toyota, responsible for uh, a, a big staff and $150 million budget. I paid everyone that worked for Toyota all over the world. And when I became ill, um, it was like the rug was snatched out from under me, but it's the singing. It's the presence of God through my voice. And then what I found is that when I sing, I feel no pain. Mm. My pain is on a regular day, it's an eight. On a tough day, it's over a 10. And, but when I sing, it brings me peace and the pain is alleviated. Mm. Another th- thing that's saving your life. Yeah. yeah. It's the music. It's the spirit connected to God. Mm. And I have a very strong faith in music, gospel music, the, the presence of it, the, um, the words, the lyrics, the beat, and just the emotion mm-hmm. that it brings to people mm. in church, from hand clapping to foot stomping to running and feeling the presence of God. It makes all the difference in life. It really does, and it's like that is your direct connection to the spirit. That is what keeps you grounded, and that, you know, and to know that at an early age was your blessing because God already knew that you were going to be challenged with lupus. Oh, yes. God knew what he wanted you to do out there, and he's given you the things that you need to battle the disease, battle the challenges that right. come with the disease, and share his message. Yeah, it's, and it, it's, you're tr- it's true. Yeah. Um, and I know that it's brought me a long way. I know that because of that, I'm still here. Because of God's grace and mercy, I'm still here. Okay. And um, even with all that I go through, there are like 1.5 million Americans that are affected with lupus. Some either systemic lupus or discoid or 
lupostat effects that's caused by medications. Um, I had the opportunity just in April of this year, I've been volunteering with the Lupus Foundation of America for the last 15 years and a COSA facilitator for the Carson Lupus Support Group for the last six years with um, the National Director of Care Support Services, Wendy Rogers, who was the National Director of LFA. And I had the opportunity to, to go to Washington, D.C. in April and go on Capitol Hill and go before congressional members of Congress and tell my story and let them understand what lupus does to a body. And um, it was a real positive experience. And um, there were several bills that were presented. And two of them have passed Congress and are at, at this time being written into law. So um, I'm very uh, thankful and realize that the illness wasn't just for me because I feel that if I can help someone else not have to suffer as much as I've suffered and give them education about lupus and go out into the community and, and help them in any way that I can, then that makes somebody's load lighter and makes life better. So thank, thank you so much for, for all of that. Um, over over here, we got Mr. Mike Mann, Cowboy oh, yeah. Soul, joining yeah. the conversation. Uh, first of all, <laughs> let me clear my throat. So hey. glad you could join us, Mr. Cowboy Soul. So himself. nice to be here. Thank you. Thank okay, you for okay. Yeah. Uh, why don't you give everybody a little bit of background about Cowboy Soul and how it came oh, into? Let's start at. Let me see oh here. my God. Okay, right, I'll, I'll spook. But uh, oh, how did it come into being? Well, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, you Santa, but Iowa. So I guess I was a top forty radio kind of baby. Mm. And so uh, I was I took in all types of music. I think when I finally made it travel around many years in radio and, and radio all over the country. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got down to Houston, that's when I first started hearing about black cowboys and the mm. black west and how much we helped build the West. Right, right. Buffalo soldiers and a whole bit. And they okay. did a thing called the Saltgrass Trail Ride there, where a bunch of black folks would hop on horses and wagons and and ride on up to like Austin or something, come back to Houston or whatever. But, oh, wow. And so that's when I first started writing cowboy soul songs. I couldn't figure out who I was because, of course, I'm a black man. Mom listened to a lot of gospel, sang gospel and choir and whatever. And, uh, you know, a lot of blues. She played a lot of Sam Cooke, you know, a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had a lot of influences, but then I always was writing stuff. I never knew what to call it. And so one day after the Saltgrass Trail Ride and he's playing one nightclub every, every week for like two years, I finally dubbed it Cowboy Soul. Because mm. it's uh, everybody, I think, the black cowboy is probably the most forgotten part of African-American history. And because in it's indigenous. It really right. wasn't yeah. from Africa. No, it wasn't from Africa, yeah. It was born right here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was how we adapted, yeah. 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 No, but some people ask me, uh, is Cowboy Soul an oxymoron? That's not. It's because we have, all of us, if we, all of us came out of the South, basically. 99% mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of us came somehow right, right. out of the South. Somehow or another, we listen to some country music someplace along the way. Am I right? Uh, that's right. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. And so we've always had in our soul, and a lot of our music has been stolen by country artists. Mm. And, you know, and they branded it that it almost sounds like it's just them. But no, mm. we started it, basically. Mm -hmm, Blues mm -hmm. started that. Gospel all started that whole storytelling, the role thing. You know, right, right, we right. started that whole thing, the role. And so... Um, but the question was, how did I get started in that? But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it was. It was all those influences upon me. And then being a musician and being a writer, I figured, okay, I'm going to write the soul of the West. I'm going to write this stuff for cowboys. I'm going to write stuff that makes people think back about, um, about the, the times when we were cowboys and cowgirls and going back to slavery. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, one thing I, I found interesting I've got too many stories. I mean, I could That's go right. all day sure. on you know, Let's, go. Let's go. <laughs> but Keith, an old friend of ours, once told me about why they call them cowboys. It's because back in the days of slavery, when they had all the slaves around, of course, uh, it would be, hey, go out and get them pigs, boy. Hey, go get them... This boy, go get them chicken boy, go get them horses boy. And that's how the cowboy became, that's the blacks were the first cowboy. cowboy. As one of the most popular mm -hmm. stories arguably goes. But, and wow. that's how they became cowboys. Okay. And so what was the first cowboy, the cowboy soul song that you wrote? Uh, I guess one was called, I want to see your boots under my bed every morning. Ah! <laughs> so, uh, I want to write something you can feel. You know, okay, so, uh, okay, okay. There we go. There we go with that feeling. Yeah. We we feeling all today. Oh, <laughs> Not a feeling going okay, on. Okay, okay. <laughs> so 
I just started writing songs like that. You know, happy songs make people feel good or make people think about their past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And always trying to interject that the, the progress that the black cowboys, cowgirls brought along in the Old West. Mm. You know, build the Old West. Okay. And I just want to testify that we were there. Mm-hmm. Still here. And still here. Okay, okay. A lot okay. of big black cowboys out there. Too, so, so you started writing songs and... Uh, did you always play the guitar or? Uh-huh, yeah, guitar and harmonica. No, I started, I think I probably played my first band. Not that good either, but mm-hmm. about, about ninth grade. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mom said I was playing harmonica since I was about three years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Three is an age it's that a, a lot of people get introduced. Yeah, I used to make a uh, wire harmonica rack out of a coat hanger. Oh. So I could sing and play my guitar. Wow. Yeah, I was a okay. kid, a little bit of a kid. So it must have been in me like, like Stephanie. You know, so, uh-huh. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And don't ask me to sing like her either, by the way. Because <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> now, she brought the Holy Ghost in yeah. here. Okay. I'm gonna... And so, so how do you get pulled together the band? Because by now you're in L.A. Did right. you start the band before L.A. or did you start it after? I started before, in L- uh, before L.A. I started in Houston, actually. Okay, okay. As a matter of fact, I was a semifinalist. And Charlie Pride is like one of my heroes and Country, country music, music yeah. Being black, with a lot of stories behind that. But yeah, I was uh, one of the finalists in the Marlboro Country Music Talent Search. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I came like fifth or something in Houston. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the story behind that was I had a drummer who the night before the show decided he wasn't able to play. He didn't think we were ready enough for him. Mm. So I kicked him out. This says drums on the curb. Anyway, that was like the first time I ever did something like that. You did what? I kicked him out. Set I took him out, set him on the curb. <laughs> set the drums yeah. on the curb. I, I'll get him for you. Don't know. Hey, here's your hat and coat with Jerry. So, but anyway, so those problems have kind of continued to plague me through, through you know, through time because a lot of blacks uh, have played either R&B or soul or hip hop or whatever. So they're not really used to playing anything country. Mm-hmm. Because in the guitar, basically, now it's been more or less removed from music. You really don't hear a live guitar anymore. Right. You know, that but yeah. But, and so... I have got a really good group of players. Fortunately, I've got some really good players with me now, and I've had some great players, too, mm-hmm. you know, over the years. But it has been a little difficult, you know, mm-hmm. and, and nobody wants to play Elvis or, uh, or Johnny Cash songs. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Johnny Cash has some good songs. Yeah, it's a good song. You know, you know. Oh. Dude, he was copying us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Elvis did. So. Huh? It's like Elvis did. Hound, Hound Dogs. Hound, yeah, yeah. Mama mm-hmm. Thornton and, you yeah. know, a lot of the songs. Oh, I, I want to say most of the American popular artists, they got it from us because yeah. we're the ones who brought all that flavor. And so... That rhythm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So we're still they bringing get it. And style everything that mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. down to our hair now. Yeah. We went natural, they go natural. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and it's... Cornrows, they yeah. go cornrows. Yeah, they're with the braid styles. Yeah. It's, it's, Booty's gone wrong. Uh, <laughs> okay. Can I use that line later? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And so that... Uh, Getting uh, musicians has, you say, been a challenge yeah, been for a challenge, Cowboys yeah. Soul. But you kind of now have a core group, yeah, right. uh, mm-hmm. basically, that enables you to play, uh, to still go out and play. Um, and what was what was the title of your first album, your first CD? Uh, uh, well, the first CD basically was a cassette, of course. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I had, like, I'd go on the thing, Cowboys Soul. And Cowboy Soul rides again, mm. and Mike Mann presents Cowboy Soul. Okay, I still have a new CD now. I want to put out, but I just got to get somebody to help me mix it. I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. But yeah, but yeah. Now, now on those CDs, are they uh, covers or are they original material? Ninety uh, percent original music. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A couple Good. covers, like. You know. And then I, I would think too, uh, because uh, your country and western getting airplay. Mm-hmm. Would be one thing, uh, because once they find out you're black, like even within the last couple of years, when they had, um, when the Country Music Awards, some of the people were upset because, uh, what's the young black man's name? Kane Brown. The, the uh, Jimmy Allen. No, no, Jimmy Allen. Uh, not Jimmy Allen, Darius but the one Rucker? who did the thing with um, Aki Break. Yeah, Little okay, Nas X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just yeah, gonna go keep going down the yeah, list. Yeah. Like, so they was there, some of uh, the people were mad because he won some country music awards and felt like because he was black that he shouldn't get these awards. 
So, you know, I don't know. And then I just recently, maybe in the last few years, got to hear about Jimmy Jimmy mm -hmm. Allen, and I see that they're really promoting him. But you don't hear about a lot of popular black country artists, period. More and more, they're, they're coming in. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's on, good. Uh, America's Got Talent, where the three ladies are saying mm -hmm. one of those shows. Okay. Really good. But they are, they are coming up. And there's a lot of California ladies. Vicky Van. Josie, there's other, there's a lot of singing black country women singers out there right now. Okay. You just don't hear a lot about them. Yeah. Right? We had one record on the air up in um, Santa Maria, mm -hmm. Sunny Country 102, I think it was. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we had a, they played some of our CD up there. And so we had a little success, minor little success up mm -hmm. in the mid Sun Coast, what do they call the Middle Coast? So, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're just going to keep trying. Yeah, yeah. You, know. you keep working at it. Yeah. And I think we started a time too really making a push was before internet and all that stuff really popped mm, in social right. media and then we faded out for a minute you know different problems in the band and things yeah you different know. challenges and so here we are back again you know and uh, you know making another push okay okay and so what are some of your thoughts um about um black music month and um how uh African Americans are just essential to the fabric of uh, music in America, the foundation yeah. of music in America. Well, you said it all right there. <laughs> <laughs> we are the music yeah. of America. And uh, we continue to be innovators. I hope that after hip hop and rap, that we have another particular innovation of some music style. You know, uh -huh. I'm sure we will. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that. But. Black music, I love Black Music Month, you know, I celebrate it, I talk about it, I help produce things for Black Music Month, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really into it. And But conversely, I want everybody to realize that Black music is not just jazz and gospel. Right. Mm -hmm. That's it's a problem sometimes I have, that, you know, we go to a, um, you know, a jazz festival and they have hip-hop, we go to a hip-hop festival, well, you know, it's all, you know, but it just, it's, there's more than that. And right, right, right. We are. Even even talking about people like Charlie Pride and Big Mama Thornton and a lot of the country old country artists from back, you know, people mm -hmm. forget about all those people. So as we progress through Black History Month, Black Music Month, I want people to remember that there were a lot of other type of acts out there, including classical mm -hmm. and uh, right. you know the New Orleans sound, you know uh, Scott Joplin, people, you know, right, there's right. a Rag lot of time. things, yeah, yeah, ragtime, yeah, things yeah. like that. Don't forget all of this stuff mm -hmm. because Zydeco. without that, Zydeco, because without that. We wouldn't have the music of today. It, and it's yeah. so true. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. Mm -hmm. It's uh, many genres and even like for uh, African-Americans, as we are innovators, you have genres within genres. And it just, uh, you know, um, emerges off of one sound and someone will take a, a spin and put their own spin on it where they've taken a couple of genres and meshed them together and come out with something else. Oh, yeah. And I think that is just a gift that we have, you know. It's in us, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think one of the big problems in music started years ago when they had uh, just one chart, top mm -hmm. 40 chart. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah. be on that chart from Stevie Wonder, uh, Ray Charles, you know, Crying Time Again, Bring Me Home, whatever it is. But a lot of different artists were on the chart, including white artists, you know, mm -hmm. um, Charlie Rich. And, you know, and right, right. so when Billboard starts separating the chart, mm -hmm. the black chart, you got the soul chart, R&B chart, the top four of the dance music. Uh, techno charts and things like that. Right. That's what started segregating music, basically. Mm. And because we didn't we didn't hear you know the white hit with the black hit, then they separated us all. Right, right, right. And so black people only kind of grew up with one genre of music after a particular period of time. It was just one thing they just heard R and B. So forgot about all the other stuff and all the black artists who did that particular type of music. Even rock and roll people like Lenny Kravitz and things like right, that. Right, 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 right. So, uh, but that, but now and things are still pretty. Fractured and separated. Separated. Mm -hmm. and, and I would think, too, with that same formula of the black charts, the soul charts, the pop charts, that kind of even happened with radio because when it was top 40, remember, you heard black songs Everything. on top 40. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so so where, where it is now where you have, a, you know, radio playing R&B and rap and gospel, and uh, uh, maybe that's a black station. And then you have a gen general market station that, you know, plays all music. Maybe 90% might be black artists, but they 
market themselves as general market general as market. to get in on the buys, which is kind of a, a, a not really good because that actually takes away dollars from the black stations because companies have uh, um, budgets. You know, we're going to uh, spend this much on the black station. This is going to be the general market buy uh, where now they're just kind of clumping everything into general market, which means less dollars for uh, black black formatted stations. You it, know? it happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then... And then even like um, in the late seventies, um, when they uh, they it was a thing because from the time of radio, um, you know, African Americans the barrier to entry for radio was so high. Most African Americans couldn't just or women just couldn't purchase a radio station. So by the late seventies. they came out with a tax credit that if the white owners sold to a minority or a woman, they would get a certain tax credit. So from the 70s, you started hearing more black stations. And we we need stations uh, that tell our story, that definitely play our music. And, and I have nothing against any artists, but it is much easier... Well, it was much easier for a, a white artist to get played on a black station than it was for a black artist to get played on a white station. Um, because like, uh, even just like with Charles Wright, Charles Wright's music was played on black formatted stations. And, you know, growing up, you know, AM was very popular, whereas now they're trying to do away with AM in cars, but I think it's not going to work. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just think that, the uh, radio definitely has a lot to do with in, in, in our ownership. And then uh, I think, too, with the record companies, I notice if you're not, uh, if you don't have a song where you're disparaging women or talking about violence or that's something that's kind of negative, then you're not really being considered for, they don't want nice Music. Yes. They don't want positive music that uh, empowers us. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And so it's pretty interesting that, like now, a lot of the artists that are out, you know, um, their message is uh, like Aunt May when you were talking about when uh, Rosetta Tharp had signed the contract. Mm-hmm but she had to play what they wanted her to play. I think the same, that's, that's basically the still that goes on today. The interesting with Charles Wright is because Express Yourself has got to be one of the biggest songs ever in the it world. It made him a millionaire. Right. But see, they only played it on black radio when it was out, right? And when it first came out. Now it's on the major, the biggest commercials in history that Express the Yourself is on that. Marketing to white people, basically. Marketing. But then they think we're... Since they can cover everything, and we, as black people, listen to everything, that we'll get part of that buy anyway. They'll get hit us anyway, so uh-huh. we don't have to go necessarily go to the black station. stations. But once again, you have a song that was played on white radio at that time, but now it's like a giant song, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. trademark, the, the logo, the, the audio logo of all these big major companies. You know? Right, so right. It's just another example of how our music and our culture gets used. It gets used. I'm not being too depressing around here today. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, and you know, the thing about it is ingrained in America. And one of the problems when, um, when the young white people started listening to, what do they call race music? Oh yeah. Back in the day. That yeah. was the big fight. Oh, we don't want our children listening to that. But the children rebelled and yeah. said, we want to listen to this. We want to move our bodies. Oh, we can't help it. We feel it, you know? So, uh, yeah, that, that song has made Charles a millionaire and it has been used. I want to say even like within the last couple of years, I want to say it was coffee mate that was running a commercial with express yourself. I must've seen it like during, uh, the morning news on all the networks, like every other commercial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm happy for him because you just really need one hit to get you over. And so that has enabled him. He uh, ended up suing Warner Brothers for his publishing, and he won. And so 
that has enabled him to record his own music, to hire his own musicians, and to put out what he he wants to mm -hmm. put out. He's not under contract to anybody but mm -hmm. Charles. So mm -hmm. that is freedom. That is freedom, and you just need one good one. But see, th this is a conversation for our, our young musicians or uh, producers, writers today. When Prince wrote Slave on the side of his face, mm, you, know, you know, they even took the name that he was born with. He couldn't even use that, so he had to use a symbol. Right. So the thing, and Nipsey Hussle, you know, may he rest in peace, as well as Prince, own your master's. See, they didn't own their masters, so what, what they did was they it, it was really exploitation. Mm, is that they, hey, you've got the talent. I'm going to put this money behind you. I'm going to, you know, I, I want you to sing this way and look this way. And they basically, if you, if you want to think about it, it's enslavement all over again because now we've waved this carrot in front of you, and you have to do it the way we want, not the way you want. Right. And so what ends up happening is, Okay, they own you, but now when it's time for you to get paid, I was watching Unsung when they were talking about mint condition mm -hmm. and, and Tony, 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 and how you know they create, even the Silvers, how they create discord within even a family mm -hmm. and break them up and then say, we want to make you the star. Right, Jacksons. But then when it's time for you to the get Braxons. paid, well, we yeah, but we bought your wardrobe, we bought you these cars, we did right. this, we that. So they're taking all the money. This is why so many people die broke. Mm -hmm. I love I love uh, independent musicians because they are staying true to who they are. If you learn nothing else, own your masters and and your publishing your publishing your, publishing, your masters. masters. If yes. you wrote it, copyright. I tell my son before mom. I got this. I I, I want you to listen to it. Okay, copyright, copyright it. it. Mm -hmm. Copy BMI it. Do what you've got to do because somebody hears that. And they take it. You're going to court, okay. and you can stand. Mm -hmm. And That's and so right. and that brings to mind because one of the first ones I know to own their uh, masters and their publishing was Curtis Mayfield, and he mm -hmm. started his own label. Mm -hmm. And so he, um, even years later, I read an article after he had the accident in New York, uh, where he said he would just get a royalty check in the mail. And it was a song he completely forgot about huh. that he had wrote mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, but even if you look at his um, innovation and his history of music from the time he was with the impressions to, you know, uh, Superfly, mm -hmm. you know, the music was just outstanding, engaging, and the messages were all great and uh just a melodic voice that engaged you. So definitely, I, I, I would think, like you said, moving forward for young people, own your stuff. And, and, and because I think with the internet, I think more artists are going that way because mm -hmm. to, to me, the record business is definitely like um, an NBA team. There's only five starters mm -hmm. on a team. Everybody mm -hmm. can't start. Right. And so you don't want to just sit on the bench while you're creating all this music, because a lot of times a record company, you'll write a song, create a song for yourself, the record company will take it and give it to another artist. Mm -hmm. And so it ends up being something completely different from what you envisioned. So I, I, I definitely think to to have more control over your creativity, and I know um, Rick James, that was one of the problems he had with Motown, uh, uh, Marvin Gaye, and the thing about the record companies, they want a factory when you're creating as a creator, you create this body of work. Then it you have to rest comes. and replenish, regroup. But they don't, they want, they got timelines. Okay, you wrote this album. It was a hit. It's success. You know, okay, now we need another one. Better than the other one. In three months. Yes. And, and, and so, you know, when you're independent, you know, you just able to do your thing to, to, to replenish, to regroup and wherever you get your inspiration from, you know, you might be getting up, having a cup of coffee and think of a song and like, oh, okay, let me write this down where there's no constraints. There's no time limit where I know even as a writer, the pressure is on when you have to write something and you have a deadline and 
and creating is recursive. So you have to, you write something and then you want to scratch it out and start over, over or move apart or like and, that. It messes with you mentally, you know, uh, uh, rest in peace, Tina Turner. Yeah. You know, I've seen, uh, I've showed it in class. What was love got to do with yes. it? Every single interpersonal communication class. Yes. We talk about domestic violence. Right. I have them w- watch that movie. And the more, every time I, I, I watch it with them, I see something different. Mm-hmm. And what I saw was Ike Turner already had his issues, mm-hmm. but they were paid for songs that weren't written yet. Right. And the pressure, well, right. in order for me to, to be creative, I got to snort a line or mm-hmm. I got to smoke this or I got to do that. And mm-hmm. it, and a lot of, you know, artists end up, you know, having mental health issues or substance abuse issues. And then all of a sudden, well, you were in last week, but now we're going to dump you and go to somebody else. So you just, you know, tearing the spirit and the soul out of a Definitely, person. Definitely, because you're hot now. Right. Because you're, you're only as hot as they make you. Is as they make you, and you you become a competitor with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Jackson, after he did Off the Wall, he had to come back and beat that. Mm-hmm. And then he did Thriller. And then he had to come, come back, back and, and beat, beat that. that. You are so in competition with yourself, and you're under a timeline. Oh, yeah, I could see the pressure. And in that industry, drugs just happen to be very easily to get to. Yeah, they hand them to you. <laughs> they okay. make sure you have it. A uh, way of control, a way of control. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, I've heard for that sure. Too many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and so um, you know, I uh, you know, I I I I'm just glad that the internet and it is more independent artists coming out, and I just hope the message um, that that a lot of the young ones uh, that are just kind of desperate maybe for the contract or for fame where it's truly not about fame. I think it's more about your message. I think that brings you longevity because I think when you're true to yourself, it, it, it will carry you through. You don't have to be anybody else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So, you know, uh, I'm grateful for all the, artists and songwriters and singers that were ahead of time. I'm thankful for the, for, for the people in the cotton fields who were innovative enough to say, we got to communicate. They done t- taken us out of uh, Africa and you had different tribes with different dialects that couldn't even communicate with them themselves. And then to get into the cotton fields and to be able to be innovative enough to create a way to communicate with um, chants and hollers and songs that the overseer didn't have an idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And to be able to take all of that and to bring it forward through generations and to let it evolve. And so I think uh, like with the, um, uh, like say the 70s when you had a lot of protest songs, uh, The Temptations, The Ball of Confusion, Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, Mercy, Mercy Me, uh, uh, Edwin Starr, War, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those kind of songs that empowered us, that said, hey, let's take a look at what's going on. And then even the music of the civil rights era, which provided a lot of hope to people and kept people fighting and kept people going strong. So I think we have to still get those messages out for things that affect us as a community, but still let the young people put their spin on it and and still have fun. You can still mm-hmm. have the fun records, you know, the party records, but still make sure that we communicate through our music. OJ's A Message in the Music, prolific album. Aunt May, what do you think about all this wonderful Black Music Month? Well, what I think is, uh, I don't, I don't know if you want to hear what I have to say because oh, please. Uh, we want to hear it. We love wisdom. Well, it looks like we everybody just skirting, uh, don't want to talk about the real problem that's going on in the industry. Oh well, tell us about it. <laughs> What's the real? I problem? think that's going to be for another show. <laughs> no, you got to speak on this right now. I want to hear what you have to say. Well, the artist that I told you that I love, 
You know, when they sign these contracts, they have to do dirty, nasty, horrible things. Mm-hmm. And they've been, it's sorcery. Mm-hmm. And this is what they've been using. And that's the reason why the, 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 the artists would get caught, caught up in it. They, all they wanted to do was to perform their art. That's all they wanted. And maybe some, they just want to buy the mother a house. Or they want to be able to pay the bills mm-hmm. or whatever. And they go to the record company. And I'm not trying to say nothing Did nobody. Well, I don't know. I, I, I just think that's something else that we'll talk about on another day. I want to be more positive. <laughs> well, Aunt May, let me tell you, I know where you were going, and it definitely needs to be discussed. And maybe not today, but you just put a little pin there mm-hmm. so, for the you next, know, for get people to think another about episode. Another <laughs> episode. Another <laughs> episode. <laughs> That's right. She said sorcery. I said, okay. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. That is a yes. whole other show. That is a, oh, that's a whole <laughs> show. Yes, okay, okay. Soulful yeah. expressions. Soulful expressions. Love, light, wisdom. That's right. And and I like what Coco say, entertainment. Entertainment. That's for <laughs> sure. That is for sure. That is for sure. Okay, well, we're going to uh, say goodbye to Stephanie. Stephanie, is there anything you want to add? I thank you so much for sharing your experience and your journey through this musical world and coming to pay tribute to all the uh, African-American artists that have basically uh, saved, created, and keeps American music going. Yeah, I just just want to, um, like you were saying about the young people, to encourage them to keep their dreams and their hopes alive. Mm-hmm. Um, like taking from Prince, like you said, own your own masters. Make sure your paperwork is in, in place to go yes. forward. Yes. And and don't ever stop dreaming. Don't ever give up. Mm. If you are still here, then you matter. Okay. And what you have to say matters. Mm. And the music that comes from your heart and soul, keep it authentic and keep going. And keep God in everything that you do. Amen. Because it's the spirit of the songs that come from above mm-hmm. that touch our lives and hearts. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just looking forward for myself to be able to record some of the things that songs that I've been writing. Oh, I know that um, I'm still here because mm-hmm. there's a purpose for my life and I want to be able to not take these songs to the grave with me, but be able to leave them here as a symbol of God's love and the fact that you <laughs> Anything you put your mind to, you can do. Okay. Well, thank you, God so thank you so much. And I want to say happy heavenly birthday to Prince. Today yes. is his birthday. Yeah. And so yes. there's a lot of talk about him going on in his uh, career. And I think even his first appearance on Bandstand oh, is yeah. kind of circling <laughs> on social media. Uh, when when he who didn't even didn't talk that much, and Dick Clark asked him something, and he like. This many. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you saw that. But one. he helped a lot of people, and he, he did it quietly. Very right. quietly. Quietly. Yes, yes, that he did. He did. And ahead of his time, an artist mm-hmm. who was truly ahead of his time. And I, I, I think I bought um, that first album in 78. Or seventy nine, soft and wet. Came soft out and that. wet. That's yes. the one I have. That was the first wow. one that I bought on vinyl. He mm-hmm. reminded me of a. I would always see him as a cross between the great Jimi Hendrix and Little Richard. Mm. His style was like them. If mm-hmm. the two had a baby, Prince is the baby. Okay, <laughs> that's how I always saw him. Oh wow, yeah, Little Richard, another yeah. phenomenon. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I remember uh, when we, because uh, my, my, I, I became interested in music because of my parents, mostly my father, and my father was in the service. So when we came back to the States from Germany to live, my parents had a stereo. 
it was a Grundig, which was a popular German brand uh, stereo. And it was uh, what you call a hi-fi with mm-hmm. the AM, FM radio and the phonograph under there. And they had a stack of 45s. Tutti Frutti was one that I would just play over and over. And I just actually started playing all the 45s, didn't know nothing about it. Uh, this song, this uh, this 45 had a red bird on it, so I called it the Red Bird Song. Right. And, you know, from there, I think probably by the time I was in fifth grade, uh, my father bought me my own phonograph, which was just a record player. It was all plastic. Had one knob off, on, and volume. The first uh, uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, uh, Darrell Banks. Those are some. That's some of the mu- first music that I listened to, and from there. I just got hooked on radio, and that is how I come to be in radio and evolved since then. Mm. Thank you again, Stephanie. I know you got to get out of here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You are. And thank you for your expertise because you have a lot of knowledge. And I'm glad that this platform has presented itself for you to be able to share that with the world because it needs to be heard. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay. We're going to take a pause, and we'll be right back. And you're listening to Soulful Expressions. And we're back. So, Mike Mann. Yes. Cowboy Soul. Yes. We sure would like to hear you hit a few notes. Okay, only if you've seen along with me. Well, try. <laughs> try to keep up. I had a chance to play for the, uh, the band. We played for the uh, NAB Vets. National Association of Black Veterans over at the Miracle Theater a couple weeks ago. Okay. And that was, that was great. It was, uh, but the reason it made me think about it because I wanted to play the song here, you know, it's called My Hometown. But, uh, so I went around in the audience and talked to all the vets. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, were the service they were in when they served or whatever, it was, it was wow. a lot of fun, you know. But, but I wanted to make people think about us, what their hometown was and, you know, what, what it was like when they were growing up and yeah. things and so much. And it reminded people, and we were going to talk about it earlier, is that no matter what you go through, uh, bad, all the bad things, which you've been drugged through or whatever, uh, things must be better because otherwise we wouldn't be here today right now, you know, so. It's my little philosophy kind of thing for the day, I guess. <laughs> kind of long, I'll try to make it a little shorter. Okay. <laughs> Eddie was 17 when he left his hometown Headed for higher locations Going to the city to find him a place He said with such keen observation But then a classmate of his Stayed in his small town He said it was his salvation Amen Cause as you go through all of the tears You still have a place To go back to Yes you do It's my hometown Oh yes it's my hometown Oh yes it's my hometown That I'm going back to No one says and I have to Twenty years later He talked to his mom And they remembered All your faces He felt so low in his heart Cause he didn't do his part He really missed All your places But now the memories are dust Something you can't touch You wouldn't even know where to find them But as I go through the years The calling's still here And something stays deep down inside me Yes it does, it's my hometown Oh yes it's my hometown Oh, yes, it's my hometown That I'm going back to No one says That I have to 
yes, it's my hometown. All the old places. Can't forget all the old faces. And I'm going back to Don't I have to But I'm going back to my I'm going back hometown. To my My mama's hometown. face I'm going back to I see her sweet kind of cowboy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from on the range all, the all right thank, thank you very much for having so me. much you. for coming here Anytime. and sharing your vocalization your talent and skills with us your input regarding the industry and just your journey is so important and I, and I just hope the people tuning in can really sink their teeth into it and, and really get some uh, a perspective uh, if they're on a journey, on a musical journey. Absolutely. You know, and thank you, uh, Coco, for joining in. You know, you like to keep your talent <laughs> hidden sometimes. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Oh, and Aunt May, it's been that so good fun. to see Aunt May, too. I've well, seen honey, it's been so long. A long I, time. I, I worked with Mike so many years ago mm-hmm. Can you when I used to come down. Well, I was going to sing later when I when we, and later in the show, I was going to do a song called When You, You'll you Never Walk Alone. Oh, okay. That is an old one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, Mike. Thank you again. Thank you. Appreciate it. And and Dr. J, I heard you getting in on uh, getting a little bit she of it too. Of I thought I heard a little something coming in the yes, 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 she indeed. got a couple of verses in there too. She snuck it on in. Yes, she, 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 but she was doing her thing and he was doing his. She showed so me keep the chorus. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I needed that too. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was like, yeah. wow, she kept yeah, yeah, so when does uh, uh, the next performance with Cowboys show? I think we're doing a Juneteenth thing over at uh, Doolin's. It's just going to be like one or two songs, um, 17th. Uh, at, at where? At, uh, at Doolin's, Doolin's uh, on, oh, the on the corner. Now. Yeah, they call okay. that, uh, they, I think they use that building that's out in front. It used to be a little flower shop, it was it? Yeah, 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 at Conroy's yeah. on so the corner. So it's there. Um, oh, good. Uh, so okay. we're doing that, yeah. Okay, it's that's It's a real short little know. thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, that's yeah. good to know. But Maybe I'll try to come up in there. You know, it'll be crowded over there. You know, they're going to be trying to eat their soul food. And waiting in line, waiting, <laughs> waiting in line for Mox Tales. Line will be repped okay. around the block three times. Mike, man, what? We got to go. Mike and Ox Tales? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But keep keep me posted I definitely will. Uh, for Cowboy Soul. You got a deal. And, um... Let me know when the uh, CD comes out. Okay. That's a, you you got a bet there. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add uh, to the conversation? Oh, no, I think I think uh, Stephanie thinks, right? Uh, I was talking about that, too. Songs coming to any things. And you said maybe Hannah, too. I, I have a theory that God floats these songs through the air. Mm-hmm. And all we have to do is keep listening. And every once in a while, you just have to listen. And we tell them, grab one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when you reach up and grab it, usually that's something that's really in your soul mm-hmm. sometimes going to do your soul good it's going to do other people's soul good mm-hmm. so as we we're talking about young people and people who are still trying to come up in the business thing like we were saying stay dedicated stay with it because you don't just never up. know and okay. keep writing those good songs yeah yeah and just don't Sing. give up and don't That's give the up thing. yeah um even if it's i think if it seems like it's not your time and but you stay true to the art i think stay true it will it. evolve and yeah. don't sell your soul. Exactly. You, you I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> Ain't no, a, nobody asked me a dime. So. <laughs> there, there was an artist, Rufus 
Rufus Thomas? Thomas? Yes, he didn't make it to like 50-something. Oh, he was 70s when he came out with Do the Breakdown and The Penguin. His daughter is Carla Thomas, G-Wiz. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah, yeah, that. That was I, I, remember, I remember hearing that he didn't make it to really late. He so was, no, don't, yeah, don't give up. Give yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, he was actually at the Los Angeles Watts Stacks Festival, and he had on a pink shorts with a pink suit and knee socks. And, uh, but yeah, his popular songs was The Penguin and The Breakdown. Do the Funky Chicken. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah Do the Funky Chicken, too. Yeah, it was the uh, yeah, dance the tune. Yeah, the whole yes, yes. Let me ask, ask you guys this. Do you guys remember the Here Come the Judge songs? Here Come the Judge. Here yeah, Come yeah. the Judge. Pig Meat Markham. Pig Here Come Mark. the Judge, Judge. Oh, I feel yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 